Yes! <laughs> I did it! I pressed the button! Uh, I am not doing that to you again. I'm not <laughs> doing that to you again. Uh, are you all right, sir? You okay? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, not too bad. Sorry, I just overslept, basically. Hey, just don't worry. <laughs> I don't blame you. I really don't blame you. I've just had nine days straight of work uh, over the half-term uh, holidays oh, yeah. um, and doing extra hours because they want to train me up to be like a, a temporary backup team leader in case one of them goes sick. And uh, so rather than, you know, oh, you're working nine days, we'll give you the short shifts. So, you know, you'd, you'll be working every day, but you're not working as many hours. No, no, can you come in for an extra few shifts and a couple of extra hours? And, and, and Can you do this? Can you do that? It's like, um, you'd realise I'm barely standing up here. <laughs> so there we go. But uh, yeah, I'm flat out exhausted. So the chance to sit down, talk some Trek with a good mate sounds brilliant to me. So if you slept in, no problem with me. Um, I'm very envious of uh, Gerati's blanket in this episode. So uh, <laughs> my, my, my snuggle, my, my, I've got a throw on the back of this chair. I might just drape it around me. But how are you otherwise? How was your week? Yeah, not too bad, man. Not too bad. Ticking along. Good, good, good. Um, yeah, uh, managed to get uh, episodes out, obviously. Um, yeah. One of our listeners has said that the files was a f- like weird sound files rather than an MP3. Yeah. Uh, I haven't had anything back yet, but hopefully. But given that Mike is one of our regular listeners, uh, I feel like I should, <laughs> you know, he's probably the one who's going to notice first beyond yes. everyone else. So uh, if anyone gets to those episodes and has the same problem, please let us know. Uh, but uh, we're back in Picard. So yes. there we go. Space time, the ever expanding frontier. These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second and contemplate every eon, from outside time to the Big Bang, all the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Temple Trek podcast. Uh, we are in season two, episode three of the podcast. So yes, I am still stuck in the time bubble. And we are now moving on to season two, episode four, The Watcher. And we are still in the year 2024. But as we're about to find out, we're a little bit earlier than uh, another entry of 2024, which will be coming up in your future if you're watching it or listening to this in the right order and then going back and then listening. I forget how the timey wimey works. But because it's season two, I don't have a co-host, so I'm just going to call him up on the device. Here is our guest. Dan, are you there? I am. Hello. Hello. Pleasure to be a guest. Hello. The for... pressure is off. Yeah, exactly. You've got no no problems whatsoever. Um, uh, for those who uh, don't know you, new listeners who are still going through the Trek uh, Temple Trek saga, um, where can they find you? Uh, who are you, Dan? I well, who am I? That's a, isn't that a question that we should ask ourselves <laughs> at all times? <laughs> that does seem to be the examination theme for all of Picard, really. So I suppose, Indeed, yes. Apt. Well, you can find me on Twitter, Academic Trek Forty Seven. That's where you can find me. I am planning a couple of new episodes. E. There's two things in the pipeline at the moment, so fingers crossed. Well, in fact, there's three in the pipeline, so fingers crossed. We'll see. Oh, very cool. Uh, one of them is our friends, the Spinal Frontier, perhaps. Yes, one's the Spinal Frontier. Very cool. One is a um, like a, a sort of what's the word? A punk episode, I suppose. In that we're just going to talk about. I've got a couple of people coming on, but Ooh. we're just going to talk about serialized storytelling. 
and um, episodic storytelling in in light of the new um, Strange New Worlds and what people are thinking. Ooh, so it's a sort of like a, it's not based on any research or anything like that. It's just a couple of academics that are interested nice. generally in that, and we're going to talk about that. Very cool. Well, uh, apt that it's going to be a punk one, given that we've got the punk on the bus this this week oh, yes, to, to discuss. Yeah. So very cool. Yeah. Oh, that's that's interesting. So yeah, so serialized versus episodic, or just see where the sort of things are going. Well, and... we, we, we we'll see what happens. Really, it's so it's very very loose. It's just we're going to talk about the two things. And that's as much as we planned. So interesting, interesting, very nice, uh, excellent. Well, I look forward to to those as they come out. Uh, obviously, uh, we're recording this in uh, the year twenty twenty uh, because obviously this is still season two of the podcast. So this is way off in my future when I'll be catching up yes. with uh, Academic Trek. Um, excellent. Well, uh, this episode, The Watcher, uh, we start at two minutes nineteen seconds. So we're not actually doing the the catch-up, as it were, the, the little yep. uh, skip, the, the, the catch-up. Um, I don't know why it, like, shows have to be so insistent on the catch-ups, because if you are watching this show, chances are you're going to re-watch this episode a couple of times, and you know, you're know you going to get into it. There are some shows where I feel like it needed it, like Game of Thrones. They were, they were throwing so much at you, hmm. you really did forget some characters, and there were characters who I came back to just a week later, and like, who the hell's that again? I, I don't know. But a lot of this, I, I kind of feel like I could, I could kind of remember that, you know. The, oh, I, I know that character. Yeah, that's the nurse who's working in the clinic. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, but yes, we come back in. Um, it's only in recent memory for us, having just watched it. But any thoughts on the Watcher? Did you like it first run? Was this the start of them dropping the ball? Was that sort of like the criteria we're going for this time round? No, I don't think so. I think it was still pretty strong. I think um, it's really weird because re- when I rewatched it for this. Um, for some reason, I had in my head that during the sort of police chase, they were playing um, the Beastie Boys. You know the one. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe that was just someone mentioned it, or, or someone said they should have done it, or something like that. But you know the bit in. Um, is it not two thousand nine? Is it? Is, is it? Which one is? Which one of the films is it that they have? Uh, well, you got you got the Beastie Boys in two thousand nine when he, he wrecks the red car. Oh yes, young Kirk. Yes. Yeah, and then you've and then got, you got the got Beastie in, Boys again yeah. in Beyond. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was thinking, for some reason, I had it in my head that they played the Beastie Boys over the top of it. Um, that could have made it a lot better. I'm going to say that. <laughs> in our Alterations expansion, that could be one of those things. Oh, yeah. Actually, I could see where that actually plays in as well. Um, yeah, well, that's a weird Mandela effect sort of thing, yeah, isn't it? Like One so, of those things yeah. that you just assume that that's what happened. Yeah. I think they've missed a trick there. Uh, yeah, for me going back and I've listened back to our reviews on uh, Nexus Nights as well yeah I still got that same feeling like I kind of felt like they've had really th- strong episodes three strong episodes to sort out the premise so yep. the first episode we're back with the crew this is what's happening second episode they're in an evil mirror universe that isn't the mirror universe and now the th- episode three they've done the time travel bit they've crash landed this one kind of felt like right we're moving the pieces now for me not to say it's a bad thing yeah, because that is it's sort of taking away from uh, the the set the setup basically. We are now moving into uh, Act Two. We're now sort of waiting for things to happen, mm. um, and I, you know it kind of felt like that, but that wasn't in a bad way. 
it just meant that they were moving the characters around so i remember that feeling that this was somewhat slower even though it does have an action scene and a car yeah. chase and there are things happening um the momentum was more about moving characters away as opposed to just chopping into the story and you know getting things done see it's really interesting because i think we spoke about this in the nexus nights but i don't mind that yeah i really don't mind that i don't feel that every episode needs to be full on and busy and and i think actually if you if you sort of break it down there is a lot going on there's you know there's oh yeah all the stuff on the, the ship with with Girati. there's there's picard meeting um guinan you know there's the the, the chase bit there's rios's story yeah. you know, there's lots and lots of stuff going on it just isn't quite as quick paced maybe Yes. But I still think they pack a lot in. And we're going through this. I think this might be a record holder so far for all the episodes we've reviewed of how many changes of scenes there are. It goes from La Serena to Mariposa to Mariposa to the, the ice facility, back to La Serena, back to the Chateau Picard, then down to Ten Forward and, and so yeah. on and so on and so on. There are so many different scenes. Um, whereas, I mean, we're coming at it from the Enterprise way of doing things where it's maybe eight different scenes and there's that's it but i order it based on you know oh now we go to mariposa now we go yeah. to la serena and there's so many times i've underlined where they move to the next point um so it's it is frantic there are lots of things going on um and it's quite a dense episode so we'll start off then um leading up to the credits so we've got chateau picard yeah. picard is uh calling through to rios's com badge uh, he's getting more and more desperate. He's actually starting to think, oh no, what if they've died? You know, what if this is more serious than just a comms problem? Uh, Girati kind of calls that out and says, no, thank you, doctor. Yes, I didn't need that spelled out for me, but thanks very much. Um, then we jump over to Mariposa and you've got uh, the Raffi and Seven barge in having just had the ice raid. The nurse is sort of saying, well, they're, they're long gone. They've been taken already. Um, back to La Serena, Picard is fearing uh, a little bit more for their safety. He finds out there's upgrades on the ship that they can cloak the ship and hide it some way. I don't know why they didn't do that a little bit earlier because they didn't mention that that had to be repaired, but there we go. Um, and Picard, Girati sort of make their way to the chateau. Uh, and then we get a whole scene where uh, Picard outlines one of the greatest, I think, retcons or at least fill fillers for backstory that we've ever had why is a frenchman speaking like an englishman uh, and it's because his family moved to england for a long time and they were there after world war ii uh, we'll go up to that point because we still haven't got to the credits at this point but up to that point everything that's happened any thoughts on that um see now actually this bit i do agree with you this is definitely moving pieces yeah this is setting up the episode definitely so it's lots of little bits um, it's really funny. I mean, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit in a way, but I'm not a big fan of the Shadow Picard scenes. Yeah, I don't know why, but in general, the the, the stuff. It was is it episode eight or nine or something when all the Borg are attacking them in the. I just don't like the Shadow Picard scenes for some reason. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, it is just like moving around and, and setting up, and you know, obviously Raffi and Seven discover that. Rios has been taken off and all that sort of stuff so it's all setting up the but so that's really all there is to say about that those bits really I think yeah up, up to that point do you feel like um, it's a good pre-credits sequence you know is there enough tension at this point 
to say, oh, I can't wait to find out what's going on in this episode. Or is it, it, it does feel like they're placing characters and, you know, it doesn't have like a bit of a punch to it to say, right, now it's the episode The Watcher. Um, to a degree, although, I mean, if you look at like, with, with, you know, obviously we've just been looking at Enterprise and, and they have much shorter cold opens, obviously, but the same principle is there. It's just a little bit there just to get everything set up. So I, I think it serves exactly the same purpose. It's just a slightly extended version of it, really. Very true. Yeah. Very cool. Um, we actually stop at six minutes and 13 seconds, and we'll be coming back in at six minutes, 44, 45 seconds. Uh, and you won't actually hear anything about that and any reviews about that until we reach season five of this podcast, because that's set in the 24th century. There are a couple of scenes where it's clearly Picard imagining himself as a boy, and we are seeing that. That's more of a dream. So I am counting that in this review here. But there is a set sort of cutoff where we meet a certain character in Picard's past, but we're not talking about that right now. This is just the scenes in 2024. Um, we come back in and Picard has made a fire. He's talking about Edith PF uh, and uh, yep. talking about uh, no regrets. And uh, he was uh, sitting by the fire. They they have a joke around about a young Picard, you know, asking for milk, chocolate, hot. Uh, Gerati is sort of saying, oh, you're one of those book nerds and all this sort of stuff. And she's moved 15 beads on the um abacus yep. not that we see that we never no. see that scene no and I, I wondered if that was like something that got cut out later on yeah, in the editing maybe, process yeah. she picked up the 15th encyclopedia she did have the book in her hands but we didn't see her picking it up and she picks up a bottle of 1915 wine so they're figuring out something about 15 and we get a dixon hill reference at this point uh look at you dixon hill working out that it's the date it must be the 12th of april 2024 we're now in the 15th of april yes temporal trek has a date it's brilliant that's exactly what we need um <laughs> jumping ahead to season three people um you know if you haven't got there yet i get very aggravated by enterprise because they never give me the freaking dates uh, so picard well done you've already got a brownie point in my book and that's when we get to the credits that's when we find out we've got three days to solve this problem yeah and they've already kind of wasted what about six hours at this point we've only covered you know half a day and obviously you've got the timey wimeyness of time zones so it, it might be the 12th of April for oh. them in France, but it's actually the 11th of April in LA. So they've got ah, four days. Well so they've actually yeah. got four days. So actually sit back, relax. Yeah, You've still got a few. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe go, go grab a bus. It's fine. Yeah, take some. a day, bit, a bit of sightseeing for one exactly. day. Get then your bearings. Yeah. What's the rush? You know, yeah. they've solved problems in a day in past, <laughs> you know, Star Trek episodes. So, you know, you've got four. Perfect. Um, so anything up to that point so fi figuring out that did, did you like that i know we spoke last time about compartmentalizing your brain mm. and how people access now this seems a bit more fluid that she's doing it subconsciously does that sit well with you or is it still that kind of problematic people seem to have ordered brains when that doesn't really no, account I, I i was very happy with this ch i like the little comedy beats the dixon hill bit and stuff and you know, and I like, yeah. So I think actually it was quite a nice little scene. So I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be happy today. <laughs> You're rested, and that's it. That's it. Yes. That's fine. Um, the credits. This is the first time we actually get to the Picard credits. We haven't had that up to this point because we started after the credits last time. Um, this is a revamp of 
the season one credits it's got a bit more of a punch to it it's a bit more like a season three season four enterprise or a season four ds9 i think when it had the little doom, 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 doom beat to it um any thoughts on the revamp do you prefer this one to season one do you, does it make sense that they've changed it do you know what i'll be brutally honest with you i just skip it ah <laughs> and that's not a criticism of it particularly because I, I i quite like it i, I think it's, it's i like that like the little flute bit running through it Yes, yes. But that's quite nice. But I just skip it because you can. <laughs> but it's not like an enterprise skip where she's like, ah, quick, quick, I can't skip it, I can't skip it. Ears you know, are bleeding, just yeah. ah! <laughs> If I happen to, you know, happen to miss the skip, then it's not the end of the world sort of thing. But yeah. Yeah, I, I do listen to it. It's not my favourite of all the, the, the intros. And I've, I've got some real favourites, and certainly with the brand new shows, I've really enjoyed the latest Strange New Worlds and Prodigy. I've really got into Prodigy mm. and just I whistle that quite often. Um, but this one I enjoyed because it, it kind of felt like it set a new tone. The first one was very slow, very introspective, and you know it had the flute, but we had like an inner light push to it. Mm. The, this revamp one there's a bit more of there's more horns in it you know there's there's much more of a sort of urgency about it um there's even like a weird that borg kind of mm. uh, i can't quite explain it it's like that matrixy kind of electronic uh tinge to it um and it kind of sets up the tone for me and i, I do like that and there's the mirrored images and then there's the time piece and all this sort of thing um so i really do like the revamp and the and the visuals on it um because it felt like it moved with the show i don't know if season three they're maybe going to change it again and try and make it mm. a more tng like yeah, entry maybe yeah to reflect yeah. what the show's going to be who knows um we come back in at 11 minutes and two seconds and we have the punk on the bus reference 38 years now i know you're a man all about uh you know your fan service um did this work for you was it a bit too much should it have been a bit more subtle you know we worked out that he's the punk on the bus from 40 years ago uh, rather than him being literally the same character in the same costume and he's also got miraculously a forty-year-old boombox that still works. <laughs> Do you know what? It's really interesting. The first time I watched it, when I watched it when when it was coming out, I really, I quite enjoyed it. I, I, you know, again, I, I'm not a fan service kind of guy, but I quite enjoyed it. I thought, yeah, that's quite nice. The more I watch it, I've watched it two or three times now for for this and stuff it's okay but it loses its sort of punch i suppose that's the only thing it's it's like a little bit of a surprise it's it's a nice sort of oh look at that that's funny <laughs> but it the, the joke doesn't last for me yeah it, i think yeah it's one of those ones that first time around it's like oh that's that's a, that's funny that's good they're on a bus he's there still um he's still kicking around but he's in uh you know los angeles now um you know, he, I don't know why he's commuting from San Francisco to Los Angeles. Pretty big commute there. Um, but he touches his neck. He's very apologetic. He's somehow changed, even though he's still listening to the same music. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I enjoyed it. But again, it, I don't know whether I would have wanted to see the punk in a different light. You know, he moved on from his punk days. He's different but you know it's him. You you can see the character. He's still got the beard. He's still got the hair. Yeah. 
but he's doing something else. Maybe he's a community leader now, you know, he doesn't yeah. hate everybody. You know, he's wearing a t-shirt saying, I don't hate you anymore. You know, or something, it felt like he should have had a progress or maybe even a character yeah. arc, even yeah, though we've maybe, only yeah. seen him, you know, twice. <laughs> we haven't seen him since the 1980s, but now we're seeing him in 2024. Um, I think it would have been nicer to have seen that he moved on in his life, but that pinch maybe was a wake up point for him. Yes. I don't know. Yes, interesting. Um, I would actually want a little short trek just yes, every perfect. every decade just to see how he changed uh, maybe he was going as a fan to a fancy dress party and he yeah. wasn't actually dressed as a punk um, um we get a little bit more talk about elnor and it's the first time raffi's starting to deal with that she was really avoiding it last week this week she's actually starting to talk about it you know seven is actually being quite understanding and she's holding her hand now from my memories of seven that's a big thing you know from everything i remember in voyager she had a real big problem with opening up with people and in this episode she's got a, a strong bond with raffi yeah um but they're still not 100 dealing with the problem she mentioned no. it and then it's straight back to the mission again um again do you feel like they should have done more because they're, they're robust they might as well take the time well in a way i think it's really interesting. I don't. I don't know how intentional this was, but in a way, it makes sense to mm. me, because these guys are trained. You know, they're, they're basically soldiers or, mm. or some kind of military. You know, the, we can talk about you know Starfleet. Is it military? Is it not all that stuff? But they're trained in a sort of way that you know they they follow um, orders. They you know, so they're very much mission focused. So I think actually, in a way, that makes sense to me that they actually are able to to switch off. Mm. You know, it comes up, and they're able. You know, there's a there's a moment of sort of reflection and stuff. But actually, they've got a mission to deal with, and it's you know it's critical, obviously. Mm. So actually, I think I don't know. I mean, again, it might not have been conscious by the by the makers and stuff, but I think it makes sense to me. I always think that you know that that's what I would do if I was you know if I was on a you'd still it'd be in your head it would you know you couldn't you know but you'd have to deal with it silently or you'd have to leave it behind somehow yeah and carry on yeah so I think maybe that it makes sense to me hmm. yeah um, it reminded me of uh, several times where you know you've lost family members or friends but you know you've literally got to go to work in two hours and you've just had that phone call yeah you have to get into that mindset get the job done go through your hours and then you'll you'll talk about it with friends and family or a therapist or, or something sometime later um so yeah it is believable um and it's nice to see that you know we're getting to learn more about this new seven this future mm -hmm. seven beyond the the seven that we knew back in voyager yeah um we're back to la, la serena You've got Picard. He actually leaves for the coordinates. They were able to get out the the Ball Queen's mind uh, because he can't call everyone, so it's just down to him. And Gerati is left behind, and the Borg Queen seizes her moment to sort of move yeah. in. Poor Gerati, you're all alone. You're forgotten. Um, uh, she's been left behind again. You're yearning for connection. Um, any thoughts on this? Because this will become sort of a thing as we're going through the episode as well. I, I really like this bit actually. Again, more, the more I watch this one, the more I like this bit because I think you're right. Having watched the rest of the season, you can see the beginning of the worming into Gerati. You know, the just sort of you know she's. It's really odd with the Borg Queen because she's sort of hanging there. She feels quite powerless. 
and yeah. sort of you know but but this bit is where she's exerting influence if not power than than influence and sort of just being nasty and more like her her old self if you know what i mean she's she's felt quite neutral so far i think you know she's sort of looking nasty and she's looking at him you know but she's she's sort of stuck she's sort of weak mm. um and this is the first moment i think where she starts to use i don't know if power is the right word but she uses her her sort of cunning i suppose mm. and so yeah so i think and again i think again i think i was listening to a podcast the other day funny enough and they were talking about the whole series or whole season and um you know saying that you know you need to binge watch it it's the way to watch it you mm. know and i think that's so true because you, you know this bit didn't not that it didn't make sense it did make sense but it didn't have a it didn't you didn't realize how important it was mm until sort of four, you know, two or three episodes later when it, you know, as it builds. But coming back to watch it, you can say, say ah, yeah, she's, mm. she's working here. She's putting the, the hours in to, <laughs> you know, to start her sort of recovery, uh, uh, you know. So, yeah, mm. I think it's a very, it's an important scene as as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and um, I, I agree with you because we're watching this obviously in a temporal track order so we're only doing the 2024 bit so i've missed the first two episodes again mm. in a rewatch uh so bringing it into this this is now a bigger focus it really does show it up a lot more because you're giving it more attention um we haven't had anything in season one uh, anything in episode one or two um to build up to this point it is purely based on the fact that last week she was inside the borg's head and now the borg queen is using that to sort of prey on her um, yeah. and sort of uh, potentially win her over to her side or at least trick her into something at some point. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And I think, uh, yeah, it bears rewatch just for those scenes, just because it does, it, it does paint a believable picture of yeah. one character seducing another. Um, we then move into uh, 10 Forward Street, now uh we will see this again obviously when we go back to the first two episodes and everything like that this brings in an interesting loop for me because okay. that implies that Guinan has always been in a 10 forward throughout her life right did she plant that idea in a galaxy class designer's ear uh -huh. at some point that she would own 10 forward when it was being built um, how did she know back then that 10 forward was going to be the place that she would always be? Has she always owned a 10 forward? I think is my, my timey wimey question to you. Okay. So may, maybe she named the, the 10 forward on the enterprise because Ooh. of where she was. Interesting. So maybe it was just called the lounge or something or the, you know, the, what's the word? What's it called in TOS? It's got, you know, a bit where they oh. sit around and they play the music, you know, and uh, Huara starts singing yeah. um, on the Starship Enterprise. Um, yeah. Oh God. It's got a it name, called? isn't it? It's a mess, but I can't remember what it yeah. is. So maybe that's what yeah. it's called, but she renamed it 10 forward. Oh, interesting. And it just so happened to be on deck 10 and yeah. section forward. It's very good. I think, yeah, makes a lot of sense. I, I just like the idea that Guinan maybe, you know, brought some Saurian brandy over to uh, 
you know, the design headquarters yeah. for the Galaxy Class program and just said, oh, you know what, really good in that space at the beginning, it's 10 forward. I own a bar called 10 forward. Why don't we call that the bar area? That's going to be the mess area right at the front of the ship. You could use it for diplomatic functions, really show off the stars, it'll really impress people. Go for that. Don't worry. Oh, and by the way, um, if you're looking for a captain for this ship, I think there's this guy called Picard. <laughs> absolutely amazing. Fantastic. If you want him to look after your timelines, he's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> um, but in 10 forward, the bar is closing. Guinan's got a dog called Luna. And uh, Picard seems to sort of have a, a good rapport with this dog. And it, it yeah. trusts him straight away. And he uses the word El Orion, and she's already armed. She brings yes. out a shotgun and yeah. holds it to his face. Um, any thoughts on Guinan, um, you know, being a badass? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's quite interesting, though. She's got that the old shotgun. She's a proper bartender, isn't she? <laughs> she's got the shotgun underneath the thing, ready to go. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose, I mean, as she says, you know, at that point, you know, there's not many people... I mean, I don't know how many aliens there are on Earth in 2024. Uh, you know, but from what Guinan says, there's not a lot. Well, at least there's not a lot that know her. Yeah. So, yeah, I think... Um, I, I really like that bit because of because of the shotgun. <laughs> it just made me laugh. It was it reminds me of Moe from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sort of thing Moe would do, you know. All right, here's the 411, folks. Say some gangster is dissing your fly girl. You just give him one of these. Yeah, I like that. And maybe she's got her own Homer and Barney, and she's been dealing yeah. with them this whole time. Maybe that's the guy who takes the dog in the yep. next scene. Maybe. Um, it's, it's Uncle Dale, isn't it? That's it. Uncle Dale is actually uh, is, is, uh, Barney. Um, <laughs> But yeah, again, a call forward. You know that time. There's that time in the uh, ten forward where everyone's losing their minds and they're in mm. disaster. And she's got that massive rifle and she shoots up in the in thing. She's always had a gun under the bar. She just knows what to do. And yeah, how many aliens are left? Well, we know Mistral's there. Yep. We know that the Vulcan must be around somewhere. Yep. We know that um, Gary Seven and the you know the people are there, the supervisors as such. But I don't know anymore. I mean, it'd be interesting to see. Maybe a Bolian stopped by and he's hanging out in Japan or, you know, uh, in Russia somewhere there's an Andorian because it's nice and cold. So he's actually quite at home there. What? So Vulcans obviously wear hats. What would Very Bolians true. do? I don't know. The Bolians, um, I mean, face masks. So, you know, he's covering up the bottom bit. I don't know what he'd do for the top. I suppose a beanie and everything. You, may, you could just say the line is a tattoo. I don't know. Um, and he's just really cold all the time. That's why he's blue. <laughs> and obviously the Andorian's hanging out in the in the wilderness, you know, with a, with a bunch of ice wolves and stuff like that. So he's he's fine. He's out there just drinking his vodka. It'd be great up in, in Russia. Um, <laughs> they go to the LAPD, not immigration, not ICE, yep. but LAPD. And we find out that Crystal Ball is, uh, is uh, not on the system. Uh, you can't just kidnap people. Now, this is another one of Rafi's... Uh, comments on 21st century society but did this feel a bit more organic than last time where it was just sort of shoehorned in and it didn't feel like it had worked definitely because i didn't not that i didn't notice it but i didn't notice it as a comment if that makes sense it, yeah it, it felt right yeah because mm. like last time when she saw the poster and was like oh i can't believe there's all of this amazing hope right against the backdrop of of despair yeah and it all right yeah it's right in front of her she might want to make a comment but it felt 
like a scripted line being said by a character not something you would naturally say whereas this one Raffi is every irate customer I think I've ever dealt in with retail. You can't just kidnap people and she slams the desk. You know, she's she's being a bit of a Karen, but for a good reason. Um, let's just say that. Um, but it felt more organic, at least for me. Uh, incarceration. We find out about ICE police. Uh, this is a separate system. They need to go and check that out. There's some guy who just sits on a chair and gives them that piece of information. He looks like he's a detective because he's eating a donut and I think yeah. he's got a little badge, but... It, it just seems weird that he was just sitting there and just happened to have the exact pieces of information that they needed to know to then go on from there. Um, yeah, just really strange. I was wondering, is this, you know, was that supposed to be an, a, a nod to the fact that there are the Watchers out there and maybe they're helping them? Or maybe this is another one of the aliens who also knows about Guinan? Because it just seemed really fortunate that he's just sitting there at that time on the other side of the desk. If he is a detective, why is he not behind the desk in the offices? Why is he sitting with everyone who's going up to the the reception desk, basically? I don't know. I think it. I think it'd be something. That, I mean, yeah, you're right. Who is he? That's that's the mm. question, isn't it? You know, and that's depending on what that is. I mean, he people would know that stuff. I think. I mean, maybe not in that technical way he gives it. You know, it's mm. exactly right. Uh-oh. I think we took a wrong turn because we're outside now. Whoa. Whoa. Is this Alice's limo? No, it belongs to Frank Sharp, head of Sharp Records. Good friend of Alice. Wow, that's like way bigger than a normal sized car. Well, it has to be. He drives everywhere, hates to fly. He's going across the country right now to look for new acts to sign to his label. Next stop is St. Louis, and he's gonna come back through Chicago, his way to Detroit. Thanks. You know, for a security guard, he had an awful lot of information, don't you think? That people would know about ice you know he's i mean he's a black guy isn't he is, is there is there something there where they're, they're sort of talking about you know that's you know the racial thing and stuff maybe that's you know he he knows about it because he's have to deal with it mm-hmm. you know if it's some white dude he wouldn't know because it doesn't affect his life that's true um yeah i mean the other thing i thought about with it was that he's got a, a lovely little career in, in uh, cons hasn't he <laughs> as the guy talking about crystal ball yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah forevermore be signing autographs <laughs> little donut boxes a, 15 dollars a box <laughs> lovely <laughs> i think that i i could see myself collecting the autographs of those people yeah like the people who only had maybe one line one scene yeah. back then um you know you don't worry about the top cast because you know you can't afford that anymore. That's like $40 a go. This guy, $15. All right, I'll get you. I'll get you a little donut box. You can sign it for me and hand it back. Um, but yeah, yeah, I suppose that does make sense that you would kind of know and you'd be in that area and, and sort of let people know. Uh, we move on to uh, the incarceration area. So we don't really know where they are. They're just being held in this facility. Uh, the ICE police uh, comes on, is unnecessarily aggressive with the other guy who's sitting next to Rios. Uh, doesn't bother speaking in Spanish, doesn't have a translator with him, he's just shouting English at him and thrusting papers in his face. And uh, Rios is like, uh, straight away, you know, you slap on a badge and you feel you're better than him, and he gets tasered straight away, and he's straight down. Um, you know, why does the past hurt so much? And Dr. Teresa sort of comes out and still can't figure figure him out. And I've written it down, they are flirting at Walk Factor 9. Because <laughs> 
just doesn't stop. They're not just having a normal conversation. They are having like this dance where they're going through all these conversations. At no point do I feel like they're just having a regular conversation. They are just talking about sex without mentioning sex. I, just, I don't. <laughs> that's all they're doing. Um, any thoughts on on this scene? Because we do get it, it's going to lead up to a scene in a moment where he describes um, uh, some stuff, shall we say, to the police officer. The thing I thought, the the thing that just popped into my mind was that he is having a really bad day, and he. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's going from bad to worse, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's that. That was what made me. I thought, God, bloody hell, poor bloke. You know, they're tasering. I mean, he's like shaking on the floor. I think, awesome. <laughs> but I think it's really interesting the bit where he does challenge him, mm. because that's twenty fourth century. I mean, it's it's twenty first century as well. Yeah, I think lots of people. I think I would do the same thing. I would hope I would do the same thing. If someone was being treated like that, I would step in and say, hang on a minute, you can't do this. Yep. You know, and, and pay the price for it, unfortunately. But, you know, but it is very, you know, in the, it is very 24th century. Mm-hmm. You know, it's moral and all the rest of it. But yeah, I think um, just a bad day. I mean, you know, <laughs> when he hit the floor, I thought, God, oh, I bet he's bashed his, his um, dislocated thumb. I bet that's hurting. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he just hits that one spot again. It's like, why? Yeah. The, yeah. the fingers are back in. He's got to get yeah. reset again. Um, but yeah, he's yeah he's hit the floor. He was bleeding out just six yeah. hours ago. Uh, he had concussion. He had his fingers broken back in. And now he's been tasered as well. Uh, all for standing up for someone. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that they didn't go the route that he said, well, I can speak English and Spanish, so I'll talk to him right. for you. Okay, yeah. And he would sort of diffuse the situation and move it on. I actually quite like that he was aggressive with the, yeah. with the police officer and said, you know, slap you, on a badge. I think he would be. Exactly. I mean, by this point, you know, as I say, I mean, joking aside, he's had a bad day, but you'd be really annoyed right now, wouldn't you? You'd be like, I've just had enough. Yeah. You know, some arsehole is coming in and, you know, treating people really badly and stuff and, you know, no need. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, it's really what I find really interesting is the the commentary they're making there. Mm. That's a really interesting commentary because you know I've had some experience. I've never been arrested, mm-hmm. but I've 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 been a lot, a lot quite a lot of demonstrations and stuff, and I've had quite a bit of experience. In fact, I've 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 I've, I've um, set some up and stuff, so I've been involved with the police. Mm. You know, and generally they're all right, really, but you always get the asshole. You always get the one, you know, that that's trying to sort of be sort of tough or something or whatever it is, you know. And you just like, just leave it out, mate. You know, <laughs> they used to do what they used to do to me was they used to bring in policemen that were taller than me, ah, to try to intimidate me. It never bothered me, but yeah, it used they always used to be so that my my on the day of the demo, my sort of in, guy I would interact with would always be taller than me. And he wouldn't ah. be from the local police. He'd be like from Maidstone or, or Canterbury or somewhere. Right. right. Bring him in just in order to sort of, you know, intimidate me, which was just pathetic, you know. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, not necessarily uh, the best way of going. You know, you could have a shorter guy. I've met lots of short policemen yeah. who are far more aggressive than everybody yeah. else uh, and would be just as intimidating. Yeah. Uh, and they're armed with pepper spray. So they would be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, because your people are badge and they do sort of run with it. And it's the same even in your average, uh, you know, workspace. You give someone yeah. some authority, yeah. and some people let it go to their heads. So, they do. Um, yeah, just horrible human nature. 
Uh, moving into 10 forward again. So we're going back yes. to 10 forward and uh, Guinan's got the gun on the table pointed straight at him. <laughs> but they're, he's literally sitting on the barrel of the gun. Like They are yeah. so close. Um, again, Picard is shown to be really good with Luna and that kind of wins her over a little bit. Yeah. She sees... Oh, well, he, she never goes for anyone and yet she loves you. Um, a bit odd because obviously the dog's never had any in, in interaction. I know that that's always a big trope in TV that, oh, animals love that person. They're a good person. Um, you know, is this an Elorian dog that actually she hasn't mentioned to anybody? Uncle Dale doesn't actually know. Is Uncle Dale another alien and ah. looking after the dog and it just never got mentioned? Um, you know, does in Uncle Dale ho hang out with the guy who was in the immigration area and they're actually two aliens and they know about the Elorians as well um, but that's why Luna is so special I don't know um, but we find out <laughs> we need to find a watcher and yes. uh, and uh, you know there there's another speech here another comment on the 21st century they're killing the planet you know the humans have given up so why should I stay here I should give up as well um, this will become again another big thing for Guinan's motivations throughout the season but the way it's brought into the conversation when they're really talking about the watcher it, did that feel organic for you or is it two different things no i think it worked because you know he arrives as she's leaving hmm. so that would be on her mind that's you know that's sort of what's going on for her <laughs> and so i think uh, <laughs> for all the listeners this will be cut out but um dan just coughed quite yeah. amusingly <laughs> Off he, to made the side, a great, he made a great effort to do it. <laughs> Coffee just went down the wrong hole. There you go. <laughs> anyway, yes. So I think it would be on her mind, and she would be thinking about that. And so, yeah, I think you know, you do. You jump around in conversations, don't you? When especially if there's something you know big going on mm. for her, you know. So no, I think that's fine. Mm. Uh, Picard uses her own words from the future into it now i haven't seen those words but clearly that's exactly what she said and it creates afkal which is yes. a time sickness now from hazy memories of tng i don't remember that happening in yesterday's enterprise maybe that happened off screen uh that actually you know the first time that guy noticed it in uh 10 forward in the military version of starfleet uh she went off to her little office and had a little puke and then just came back in i, I don't know um but it's interesting to see uh, or maybe it's only when you repeat the same words because no one was repeating words no. and that and maybe that's what causes the time sickness i don't know um but adding that layer that sensitivity to time um as star trek fans we know that elorians have got that perception thing going on it's always part of my little you know theory about elorians and cues and that you know they do two different things but did you like that they were keeping that going that that was something that was brought in uh or was it just, you know, for new people coming in, that you know, she can sense time differences or there's something special about her? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it didn't bother me. Put it that way. It didn't bother me. But if you think about it and sort of put on the, the, the critical hat, which I'm just doing now. <laughs> oh, very good hat there. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely chapeau. Um, yes. Uh, it's just like a little beret. Mm, fair enough. It, yes. <laughs> um, anyway, back to back to reality. <laughs> some kind of normality normality what's normality <laughs> normality i like I, I like norma normality that, that yeah. yeah that'll work yeah okay <laughs> well, we'll keep that in i'll use that later <laughs> <laughs> this is going off track already isn't it yeah yeah um it uh, it is just 
shoehorned in slightly. I mean, I, I suppose you needed some moment which which could, sort of made Guinan accept him. You needed that moment where she, she sort of something something happens where she realizes that this is for real sort of thing, or he's not he's not sort of. Oh, hang on! You've disappeared. Are you disappeared or I disappeared? Oh, hello. Am I back? Am I back? You're back. Hello. You're back. Hello. Hello. There oh, there we are. You all right? That was right. Time to me. That was, mate. Oh, it was a bit of Afcal. I had a bit of time sickness. Yeah. yeah. I carried on coughing again. That was what it was. <laughs> yeah, the, she needed that moment where she's convinced by him. Mm. So they had to find a way to do that. Having said that, I mean it's it's retconning. And I'm I'm never sure what retcon actually means. Yeah, but I think that's what I think this is the definition of retconning, where they've just dropped this thing in that's never been mentioned before, and just sort of you know it helps the story basically. And, and I forgive them for that because you know it's a story. Hmm. We have to remember occasionally that this isn't real, <laughs> <laughs> as much as we uh, live in a world where it is almost. <laughs> I want it to be real. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I I know that there was the big criticism when the show first came out, you know, why does she not remember Picard? Because they met in the 19th century. And I know that because obviously the, the future doesn't exist, they haven't gone back in time yep. and that doesn't exist as well. If, I don't know, if, if she's got a time sensitivity, using her own words again, didn't need to happen. He could have said, well, there was a point in the 19th century when you were on this planet that we've met once before. Now, that hasn't happened because the future doesn't happen. And without you helping me, I can't make that future happen. Yeah, I kind of felt like that could have happened. And it would have, one, answered the critics and sort of said, right, yeah, all time has been affected, not just from the convergence point, but everything else um, or divergence point, whatever they call it. Um, but I don't know. It just kind of felt like this, the time sickness thing is something we've never seen before. Yeah. They're just introducing something to be a bit weird yeah. when they could have had a conversation that would have made the Star Trek fans go oh oh man that's amazing because now all time's changed but also to the new people coming in there is some timey-wimeyness and yeah. it, it kind of established that they have met before but she doesn't remember it because it's a whole new timeline um, I don't know it just felt like there could have been a more hmm. engaging conversation or an interesting kind of timey-wimey conversation as yeah. opposed to she just gets a bit sick yeah um, yeah I think you're right uh, Raffi and Seven steal a car and uh, I do like the moment where uh, she pulls out the phaser because she's going to burn through the, the glass. And Seven just says, butterflies, butterflies, Rafi. <laughs> so, I have no idea how this got here. <laughs> Beautiful. I, I've seen my, my kids do that. It's like they're using something that I told them to put down. You know, put down your phone. It's like, I have no idea how my phone was in my pocket. I didn't have it. <laughs> Um, but she wants the computer system. She wants to hack into the computer system. Now, this is something we have seen back in Carpenter Street earlier on. Archer was hacking into a car in 2004. So by 2024, you'd imagine there's a lot more computer systems in, in cars and stuff like that. Uh, she, yes, she could have hacked into the system from the outside. Did they need yep. to steal the car to, to do that? I know Rafi says it's more fun this way, but they could have just been sat on a bench and she could have just been do, 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 and mm. hacked into the system. Um, Clearly, she's, I don't know, lashing out. Maybe this is how she's yeah. dealing with her Elmnor um, yeah, hurt, you know, her, her, her trauma. Um, I don't know, but she just wanted to go on a joyride. Um, she wants the computer because all of the systems are linked together. And yes. she said, in this time period, all databases are linked together. Mm. Sort of implying that in the future, databases yeah. aren't linked together. 
Now, I can see why you might not do that, because obviously, for security, if someone's hacked into one starship, you can't hack into another starship. Uh, and it does lead me down uh, the pad theory. Now, this is a pad theory that I've had for a very long time. Okay. Why does everybody have so many pads on a desk when they could just have lots of applications like we do today? One screen does it all. I actually think that everybody has their own individual pad. And when you want stuff done, you have to hand that pad to a person. One, for security, because it doesn't mean that your security notes are conflicted with your medical notes and everything like that. So it's a secure thing. Two, it actually forces people to have to walk and go and get some exercise to get from your workstation to your duty manager or your captain or whoever they are. And actually, that's why everybody is fit in the future. Ah. I, it's a very big tangent. I know there's a lot of taffy pulling there, but my pad theory is all about security and health. Genius. Uh, and I think that that is a line that I'm going to use for justification as to why in future years to come on this podcast, we're going to see millions of pads laid out on people's desks as opposed to one screen does it all your thoughts well yes i think it's a, a stroke of genius do i overthink things i think you might do possibly oh, okay yeah. just enough, a little man. bit yep um i find it hard to believe if i'm honest <laughs> i think that might be just when it because um i have another theory Mm. I think it was because the shows we're going to watch were written before the internet. Ah. And that's why. That could be it. That could be it. I think that might be, that might be it, I think. That's very true. Well, you know, you're coming at it from your reality where this is a TV show where, you know, in my history, you know, as I well know, um, you know, there's several databases and they're they're not linked because, you know, what if the board came in? Yeah, they can assimilate one system. They don't have to assimilate the other one. The problem with that is, though, the problem with that. Yep first episode we haven't reviewed the first episode obviously and i'm going to let you into a secret here because you haven't seen the first episode oh yeah please do um the borg hacked the entire um the entire fleet oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> well i'll come to that problem in the 25th century so uh tune in to season six everybody for for us to rediscover the pad theory but maybe you know 25th century they connected it all up again they figured maybe, actually yeah. makes our work life a lot easier why have all these pads you know we can stay healthy in a holodeck nice and yep. easy uh right um <laughs> seven seven can drive yes why did we not get a town paris reference okay i, yes, I just feel just, like yes of course it makes sense that she would have learned to, yeah, drive, learned from to tom drive with tom paris yeah uh, you know, I or at least not necessarily by name, just say I hung out with this pilot. He absolutely loved cars in the 20th century. Mm. He taught me how to drive. And, you know, we know what that means as Star Trek fans. New people coming in is like, what does that mean? And then you can sort of be hoity-toity, like, well, if you'd watched Voyager first. Uh, and then you could, you know, it, it would actually promote people coming into the show. And it's like you can learn about Tom mm. Paris and he's obsessed with the, the 20th century, but still gets everything wrong. Um, yes. Uh, just any thoughts yes. or, 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 you know could that have been fan service that made more sense I like that idea actually I really like that idea I wish they'd done that <laughs> yes I wish they'd done that I, I never wished that before because it never occurred to me but now <laughs> you've put that into my mind I will forever wish that we had mentioned Tom Paris <laughs> it might have been interesting that you know he showed me like 1920s pickup trucks this is a little different and she stalls every now and then but you know Essentially, it's the same type yeah. of driving. But there we go. Um, no one chased them. I mean, I-, I wondered if we could have also got that 
Tom Paris likes to show off, you know, 20th and 21st century movies, and it would have been a Fast and Furious reference. You know, yeah. they could have actually said, well, he showed me this whole bunch of series that, you know, um, we're going to have to elude the police. Speaking of that, why do the police not chase them out the gate? Like, they smash through the gate. Yes. They are clearly stealing it. I don't know of any police force where even the, the most renegade cop feels like they have to, you know, smash through the, the gate to go and get the bad guys. So it's clearly not a policeman driving this vehicle. Why are they not getting chased from the get-go? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, the reason is because they need to set up a little bit of stuff before it happens, don't they? <laughs> and again, we're, we're destroying the, the myth of uh, reality. Mm-hmm. But you're right, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> they should have been chased right from the off, shouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> Although, interestingly, doesn't, doesn't there isn't there a radio message? There is, yeah, a stolen it, vehicle it, and everything. Like yeah, that. But, but then it does I would take have quite a while, doesn't it? You're right. Exactly. They've just come out of the police compound. Yeah, there yeah. isn't one person who could just jump in a in a police yeah. patroller and follow them and tail them. Um, you know, and then gradually it builds and builds. You know, you've got a helicopter, you've got more cars coming in. Then you'll have like the spikes being set up along the road, and we get a standoff. You know, something like that. And we get seven doing handbrake turns and doing all this kind of stuff that even Tom Paris didn't show her, and all this kind of stuff. Kind of felt like there should have been more of a, a kind of uh, chase sequence. Maybe even um, oh, bullet. You know, uh, you know Steve McQueen and do, yeah. doing that sort of stuff as well. Um, Girati needs to beam them out, and yes, this I think is does. the biggest voyage home reference for me where okay. you know when they're, they're beaming out check off from the hospital and they're chasing oh, yes yes chasing down the ho- the corridors of the hospital yeah. i've got a new kidney i've got a new kidney and they're running around and all this kind of stuff and they have to beam out through the lift i kind of feel like all of this was just setting up for that same sort of energy okay because they get beamed out the car and taken up um just a- any thoughts did that have the same thing for you or was that something that do you know, I didn't think of that. It's been a long time since I watched The Voyage Home. <laughs> a very long time, in fact. And uh, you're right, though. That's cool. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think they, they might have done that. What I want is a short trek. Oh, go for it. After they beam out, what the cops do afterwards. <laughs> How, like, I mean, you can see there's this moment where they're sort of looking around as if to say, what? <laughs> how do they you know what happens is that you know what 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 do they have to put in the form you know the report form we chased a car with two people in it and then um it stopped and there was nobody in it um uh you know <laughs> so i think um is it is this like the the, the um um transparent aluminum moment oh could be because they suddenly say, "Well, some, what happened? We have to explain how this happened. This leads to the development of transporters." Interesting. Yes. Yeah. They saw it. Ha- I mean, they do see like a little shimmer yeah. and a bit of light. Maybe they beamed out, and maybe there's that one cop who's adamant that she saw them beam out, and they don't believe her. It's like you yeah. know, oh, don't, don't, don't worry about old shimmer over there. She did, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She yeah. thought it was aliens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Crazy. And uh, and then again, oh, spooky as they call her. Spooky. <laughs> and then she might get brought into uh you know the fbi investigations yeah. into all of this and stuff like that you know jumping ahead to future episodes yeah um their communication is in sync as Girati is trying to fix the transporter up to that point and that's when she has to give in to the ball queen the yeah. ball queen is the fastest thing who can fix the transporter and again she's giving in to yeah. this seduction because she has to in this yeah. instance she has to get the transporter working um, t- back to 10 forward 
uh, there are two futures ahead of us, one good, one bad. So we're getting that conversation. I was kind of hoping we would have got earlier instead of the time sickness. Uh, there's a luxury of patience that you have as someone that who looks like you, not looks like me. Yeah. Uh, this um, this era did away with the hoodie and put on a suit. Again, is this conversation, this commentary on the 21st century, does it fit to this point or should it have been a different scene? No, I like it. I like it. It's funny, actually. You, I hadn't, again, I think maybe because it worked, I hadn't really thought about it, but the the Raffi scene in the previous episode did feel shoehorned in. Mm. I don't know if it was the way she delivered it or, or what it was, but these other references we've had mm. have all felt organic to me and, and felt right. Mm. I mean, uh, Guinan sort of earned it. You know, she's been around for at least a hundred years, as far as we're concerned. Um, she's seen them change. She's seen the societal developments that have happened around her. She has the right to comment. You know, absolutely. As opposed to Raffi and Seven, who turned up six hours ago and been down and had a comment straight away. Yeah. Um, maybe that's it. I don't know. Um, Picard is still trying to get her to help him, but you know, there's still this comment of you know, it's easier for the you, presumably saying you're a white man. Yeah, it's easier for absolutely, you, yeah. uh, and that you know, uh, because of the color of my skin, I can't change things, yeah. uh, which is a great comment. And I really want to know if that was what they were going for, or whether they actually meant man and woman as opposed to skin, or both. I think it, I think it was skin color mm. and women. Uh, you know, so I mean, Picard, you know, has sort of white male privilege. Mm. Yeah. Unfortunately for for um, Guyana, she has neither white nor male privilege. Yeah, you know, so she has both, both, but both. two things that, you know, make her life harder in 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 twenty first century America or the world. Mm. Um, speaking of, we go back to ice, and then we get, uh, you know, you're some kind of hero. Uh, you know, uh, Doctor Teresa would be amazing from where I come from, and she's asking, "Where do you come from?" And she's still prodding, and he says, "Ah, oh, yeah, don't worry about it." And then the guy comes in, he starts battering a few people around. Oh, he's got a face like a Ferengi. What the hell's a Ferengi? Uh, now, she should know, obviously. The Ferengis have been on, on the planet in 1947. Not that everyone knows about it, but there we go. Um, but that's two species he's now name-checked, Vulcans and Ferengi. Uh, it's not the first time we've had other aliens referenced because we've had, obviously, Elorians in this episode. But way back in the 1990s, we had uh, Captain Braxton, who said that the uh, the police officers were being like Cardassian security officers. So people like to name drop these aliens and don't think, mm, maybe don't let out that you know the future, just in case. Um, he wants to slap the guard, but then he gives him the truth and he tells them exactly what they did. They did a... Yes proper summary now this is going back to what i was saying about the uh the little skip intro and skip the, the recap they could have just had this forget the recap <laughs> yeah that's everything it's now explained everything that happened in episode one and two so i can sort of talk about it now um but you know and also season one as well uh everything about picard possibly being an android but not an android um uh, just any thoughts on him saying the truth and it doesn't get believed i really like this I really like it because I, I just like it because it's funny because mm. you know it's exactly what you're not supposed to do isn't it yeah you know in every sort of time travel thing whatever <laughs> you do don't you know don't tell them where you come from and all that sort you know and he just goes bugger it you know and he knows yep. i think he sort of knows that he's not going to listen to him yeah 
whatever he told him, he don't care, you know. And um, yeah, so I, I really like it, and I think it also it works really well for his day, doesn't it? Yeah. He's got to that point. He's had such a bad day. <laughs> we just, I just can't be bothered anymore. I'm just going to tell him the truth. Fuck it. I can't care. I don't care. <laughs> you know, I've had enough. <laughs> We've all reached that point, and we've had yeah, just one of those exactly. days where you're yeah. just like. I'm just going to tell you everything that's happened for the last 24 hours and yep. you can just deal with it if you want to. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, Raffi and Seven are still being pursued. Uh, you know, they're still sort of arguing about it. So this is all going on at the same time. I know we've jumped ahead and said they do beam out, but, you know, this is all sort of happening at the same time. And this is where we keep changing from scene to scene to scene to scene. Um, you know, uh, Ra- Rios is being loaded onto the bus the guard is sort of being really um, nasty to him and sort of saying, yeah. oh, you know, here we are, captain, you're not going anywhere, you're going to get lost and all this sort of stuff. Uh, La Serena, the queen, is going to fix the tra- transporter. There's a bit of talk of poetry and, and sort of like, it's poetry, my dear, and all this sort of stuff. A bit of flair. Um, and it, yeah, very weird that the queen is spouting unusual poetry, I guess, uh, as opposed to just being uh, manipulative. Mm. Um Raffi and Seven again still chasing back to La Serena fixing the transporter and it's just a constant back and forth so there is a lot of action here but we're still moving the characters we're still getting them from A to B and we're still getting Gerati to be seduced by the Queen and Raffi and Seven are now working together a bit better Rios is getting loaded onto the bus and will possibly be lost for all time um, uh, and uh, Agnes in, ignores the queen and this is mm. something that sort of comes up she said I will talk to you forever if you just fix the transporter for me yep. uh, but she actually walks away from it and they solve the day they transport out but Agnes angers the queen Yes. do you feel that was a good move? I think it, yeah, well a, a good move I don't know but it's certainly the move I would make at that point because Agnes is still you know she's not been seduced as you say He's still, you know, in control here, and so that's what I would do. I would use the queen, and then I would just switch her off, effectively. You know what she does, mm. um, but she doesn't switch her off. But you know what I mean? She, she's, you know, disconnects her or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think that that no, I think that's fine. I think again, that's what would happen. I mean, I think as as time goes by through the episodes, as she becomes more and more entwined with the queen, that's mm. harder to do. But at mm. the moment, she's still very much Girati. She's not becoming, you know, sort of, a, a, I don't know what's the word. She's not becoming um, entwined with the Queen in quite the same way as she does later on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I just wondered if, uh, you know, if she needs her again, or if there's another system that needs fixing. Well, yeah. Can true. you then convince her and come back from that? Or do you just say, look, okay, we're going to talk, not right now, because I need to deal with some other stuff, but you know i will fulfill my end of the bargain later mm. um i don't know i just felt like even gerati would know she needs to butter her up maybe for a new a future use i don't yeah know. that's true i hadn't thought of that but i think maybe that's true as well yeah yeah um back in 10 forward Guinan um isn't the watcher and we find out that actually there's somebody else out there uh he finally says his name and that's the the turning point that's when Guinan realizes hang on a minute there's something weird about this guy yeah. um again could that have been a conversation they could have had earlier? I know he doesn't want to divulge who he is and give away. I mean, Rios has already fouled that up, but you know, he knows it's Guinan. He knows that if he just says maybe just the surname, doesn't have to give any other details, mm. but that could have changed it. 
Um, he doesn't know that the surname is particularly useful, no. but could have just said Picard. My name's Picard. And she's just switched. You know, it, they could have solved this problem a lot earlier. Uh, do you feel like it was dragged out tension for dragged out tension's sake? No, I think um, he's doing what you're meant to do. You know, he's he's had a better day than Rios, <laughs> so he's not quite at the end of his <laughs> end of his tether. Um, so he's doing what you're meant to do. You're not meant to reveal stuff. You know, you're not meant to play with the timeline or whatever. You know, or drop the butterflies in. <laughs> um, so no, I think I think that makes sense. I mean, he's basically what has happened is he's trying to get through to her. Hmm. And what he's done so far hasn't worked or hasn't sort of completely worked. Mm. So, you know, he's just having to open up a little bit more to try to get some kind of link between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, we find out that watchers are also called supervisors and that they've uh, possibly got something to do with destiny. And uh, Guyner says that, oh, she's a pill, but you better not lie to her. Um, Guinan obviously doesn't like this person that there is if it's someone who can intimidate Guinan in some yeah, way that's got to be pretty bad um, the idea of destiny is being introduced here but this is some this is a conversation we're going to have I think next week that it, it sort of comes up in, a, in later uh, parts of it but um, yeah you know my my problem with destiny and all that kind of stuff I'm much more of a manifest destiny person than a destiny person um, but we're in the LA park and a little girl approaches them and threatens Guinan once. Yes. Uh, and uh, kudos to that uh, little actress, the the actress portraying the girl to really pull that off. But yeah. I did not like her. I wanted to slap that girl around the face. I don't <laughs> care. She's a child. Uh, that was a, a obnoxious little kid. Uh, that wasn't even the watcher, I reckon. I think that was just the, the thing. She played it so well. Um, changes always come later than we think it should. Mm. Picard's sort of last line to Guinan before she walks away. Uh, again, a comment on 21st century um, and anything more to say on that? Um, not really. I mean, I think, you know, it's a really interesting dynamic, isn't it? Because for Picard, Guinan is a really important person. Yeah. For for Guinan, uh, Guinan of this timeline at this point, Picard's just a pain in the ass, basically. <laughs> you know, it's just sort of ruined her day, really. You know, um, so that's that attempt by Picard to keep Guinan around because mm. he values her so much. Mm. So I think again, you know, it makes sense, and I think yeah, it is a comment on the world. You know, the fact that you know we should have dealt with or started to deal with climate change twenty years ago, and we're we're not even quite dealing with it now. You know, yeah, it's an obvious reference. But again, I don't feel like it was a, a shoehorned one. Yeah. I think it works okay. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a constant thing for this whole episode. As opposed to last week, one of the things that stood out was that unusual comment being made straight away by Rafi. This, at least all the way through, anytime they had something to say, it felt organic to what they were saying. And also as a comment and that Star Trek-y way of of bringing up a subject matter without really facing it and, and dealing with it there and then. Um, lose the communicator. The uh, oh, yeah. the little girl says, you know, uh, take it apart, otherwise that's it, it's over. Uh, and then she gets taken away. Every person who gets taken over looks at him a bit quizzically and then just walks away. Yes. Um, I'm wondering why the girl, the fruit cart seller, the random guy in the suit, 
didn't go up to a police officer and say, look. Yeah, had a really weird, yeah. There's this really weird old guy in the park. Uh, he, he was talking to me and I don't really know what was going on. Um, can you just go and have a word with him, go, go over that way? I kind of felt like that could have been interesting if that was the same police officer who saw the beam out. And then they got called over to the park and then another weird thing's happening. And all these weird things are all happening at the same time. Uh, maybe that will be brought back up later in a few episodes time when we meet another character. Another short track. Maybe another short track. Yeah. This, I uh, think we, this is a new feature. I think this should be a new feature for um, the show. Absolutely. You know, when, when we think there should be a short track. That's it. Well, uh, that's an S. So there's now four S's to our ratings criteria. Where's the short trek in all of this? Um, <laughs> but we find out that there is this watcher and looks suspiciously like uh, someone that uh, Picard already knows called Laris. Now, I haven't come across Laris before. I don't know who this Laris person is, um, but that must be a bit weird. Isn't it? You know, someone you knew from your past who's clearly in the future, who looks like this person standing right in front of you. And she touches his shoulder and they disappear in a mist of smoke in a very square-like fashion, which I haven't actually seen till uh, 1967. I mean, that was the last time I saw a transporter. It was a bit like that, uh, with a clearly defined box-like structure. Uh, any thoughts on The Watcher up to this point? Given that the episode is called The Watcher, should we have seen The Watcher a little bit earlier? No, I think that's perfect. I think that's perfect. But I do have a real issue with Laris or the, the actress being the watcher. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just don't like it. I know it's a sort of thing that happens, you know. But no, for me, I wish it was a different character. No, not a different character, a different actress or a different actor or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I just... Yeah, I don't like... I don't know. I just... It, it, and not annoys me that's the wrong word but I don't think it it's that sort of Carbon Creek thing isn't it you know mm-hmm. which is perfectly acceptable with sort of with with that but when you've got a, a new character then let it be a new person mm-hmm. yeah that they find out eventually that perhaps is related to Laris yeah and, maybe, maybe you know they, yeah. they look similar you know there's there's a yeah. character family trait you know she yeah. probably has blonde uh, sorry brunette hair and she looks somewhat like all brady will be yeah. uh, uh, in the future but yeah it's an all it's that star trek trope isn't it that family genes always look the yeah. same uh and there will be a character like that next week when we're talking about it and he, <laughs> he plays be, yeah. every member of that family who is male so there we go um the last little scene before we leave is q is in a little costume yeah. And he seems to be narrating a book that a girl is reading as she sits in the Europa Mission uh, mess lounge. And she's just about to finish her, her her sentence, her paragraph, and she just giggles to herself. And Q just sits there and thinks, all right, now's the time to leave. Clicks his fingers, but nothing happens. And that's unfortunate. Uh, as an ending to the episode, a little, oh dear. You know, should yeah. that have been maybe a post-credit sequence? Does it does it work as an end of the episode? Was Picard's beam out with the Watcher enough of a da, 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 tune in next week? Yes, it was, but I don't object to the little extra bit. Mm-hmm. It's quite intriguing that extra bit, isn't it? Yeah, I not... I don't think I don't think see I think what he was doing with um, as you'll find out Picard mm. was sort of putting the thoughts into her head because he wants her to not do the mission. Mm-hmm. So that's what he's doing, isn't it? And then he clicks his fingers so it sort of gets transferred into her head. 
mm-hmm. and that doesn't work and that sort of it leads on from that sort of thing that I don't know I, I, does it lead on or is it new is this the first moment when we realise that Q's losing his powers I can't remember quite whether we've seen that before but that, that was a thing that everyone was talking about wasn't it mm-hmm. that Q is ill or Q is dying or whatever's going on you know so I actually quite like it it's a it's an odd one because it's like I don't, have you seen um, the Batman is it mm-hmm. the Batman the new one the, the latest one no I haven't seen the latest one no what's happening in that one it's a good film I really enjoyed it the problem is it finishes about seven times <laughs> <laughs> you know there's there's like a scene when it feels like the end of the film and then there's another scene oh no and that feels like the end of the film and then there's another scene and that feels like the end of the, and this is what happened with this one there's there's two endings to this episode yeah oh so interesting maybe if they'd moved that somewhere in, in you know dropped it in somewhere in mm. the middle of the episode it would have worked better but I liked it because it is intriguing you're like ah what's going yeah. on here you know but that walking into that that door was the end of the episode yeah 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 because uh, jumping ahead to obviously what we're going to talk about next week with the the next episode that is all about this character this lady who is reading the book and we find out who she is later i don't know should that have been the setup for next week you know the pre-credit sequence is that mm. he was just sat there in this lounge he clicks his fingers oh that's unfortunate Da, 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 yeah. da, and they just go straight to the credits. Yeah, I don't know. It just—it was so disjointed from. It was this yeah, episode. It was. This was called the Watcher. It should have ended meeting the Watcher. Yeah, and Q's bit comes next week. You know that sort of thing, or a post-credit yeah. sequence, so that it—you know—if you didn't watch it with that episode, it doesn't make as much sense. But you know, there we go. Um, yeah, just just unusual that they choose yeah. to end it, but a really intriguing scene. Like, yes, absolutely. Yeah, Hugh can't click his fingers. Oh my god, yeah. this is crazy. Um, and that's it for the episode. Yeah. Now we're doing very light reviews on this one, so we're not doing full criteria, but consequences for this episode. You know, what's the fallout? Where do you think this might be going? Well, I think obviously they've met the Watcher. That's a key part of the season. Mm-hmm. the key moment in the season because you know it's it's, it's going to lead on to the whole rest of the story basically yeah. um obviously the end with q that's interesting to say yeah. the least that's you know um and we're sort of i think other than that really there's no consequences i mean raffi and seven are in the position to to save rios so that's sort of ready to go yeah We've got Girati, who is has deepened her relationship with the Borg Queen over the episode. But again, that hasn't quite come to fruition. Mm. So yeah, so I think really it's the meeting the Watcher and the bit with Q where there's something going on. Mm. Yeah, and it is that thing. Um, for me, when I'm looking at it, it's we've moved the characters into a certain position and there's now a new story developing for each of them uh, and they do give the time for every character mm. uh you know it moves at a rate of knots and goes from scene to scene to scene and like i say, just all the titles from where they're going ten forward the park less arena everywhere else it is very fast this episode and there's lots to discuss um but they have just set it up but we don't quite know where it's going and i said that was certainly my feeling the whole way through this season that 
I really did not see where it was going, even right up to the very last episode. Mm. Um, I could work out maybe that's what they're going to try and do or have a theory about what they were trying to do, but I really couldn't tell how they were going to end it based on what they were doing in this episode. Um, alterations, expansions, and we've sort of introduced this idea of did they drop the ball yet? Have they, you know, is it sort of lost something yet? I think it's too early to talk about alterations and stuff because mm. this is the, the really exciting thing and the really odd thing about this is that for us, you know, when watching Enterprise or watching, you know, we've seen it a hundred times, you know. Mm-hmm. So we're so familiar and stuff. Whereas with this, you know, this is I have I've now watched it maybe three times, which is a lot, I suppose, for for a TV show, really. Mm-hmm. But not for Star Trek, for me or for us, you know. <laughs> so actually, I think maybe this is something that um, is very hard to do, really. Mm-hmm. In a way, I mean, we, there's sort of like hot takes, I suppose. But then hot takes are often proved to be bad takes in the end so i'm not going to make any alterations i don't think to this season in fact we'll see yeah. what i might change my mind but at the moment i'm going to say no i you know this is something that maybe i will come back to maybe mm. a nexus nights in like five years time yeah when we've seen it a few more times and we say well you know we can sort of review the whole season and say you know now we've seen it a few times what do we think yeah nexus nights that was a bit weird wasn't it episode yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah okay yeah sounds good um yeah uh well other than i think your idea of the beastie boys your mandela <laughs> yeah. effect of uh of what should have been the chase sequence uh other than finding out the short trek of what the police officers got up to uh and maybe seeing a little bit more there I, again it it does what it needs to do it moves the characters on it does set them on new paths um yeah it doesn't need to be changed because we might deal with this next week or two weeks time. Yeah. Just, just, just don't know. Uh, do you also think that, is this the point where they're starting to drop the ball or they still got the ball firmly in their hands? No, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, yeah, they're doing a good job at the moment. Very cool. I don't know if El Cabzars. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not, we're not into introducing ball into there. Um, right. Um, so uh, it's already long enough. Uh, we'll go into recommendations. So, yeah. Just these scenes, so just the Watchers scenes, everything from when we started, back on La Serena with Picard, Wandering the Dead, all the way up to Q possibly has lost his powers. Yep. Do you recommend just these scenes to Star Trek fans? Is there enough content, Star Trekiness, uh, as a good example of a Star Trek episode? Yes, I think so. I think this is a... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of tip my hand and say that I think this is a really good season. Hmm. You know, like all Star Trek seasons, like all just about all um, TV series, you know, there's moments when it doesn't work so well and it's not, you know, but I think this is a really good series. So if I was a Star Trek fan, mm. I'd see no reason why you wouldn't watch this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've just come out of watching uh, Stranger Things up to the last two episodes of what is their season four. And I've loved Stranger Things. I love this season. I think this is one of the, the best seasons they've put together. Not a big fan of season two. That's where it kind of lost me for a little while. And then I came back. Um, but season four, there have been many scenes, particularly where they've been dealing with the character of Eleven, getting her powers back, her superhuman powers, where it feels like they dragged it out a little bit. Like we could have done this two weeks ago. She could have learned this lesson a lot sooner. We could have kind of got it more there could have been one less episode in the season and i don't think you would have missed too much 
Um, and this one hasn't reached that point yet for me. You know, they have set up the characters. I feel like it's it's slower in the fact that we aren't dealing with, oh, there's a change to the timeline and things are now evil and now we have to go back in time as they did with the first three episodes. This one is slower in that regard, but there's still more scenes. There's still an, a fluidity to it and it works. And the, as we've been saying, the commentary on the 21st century, those moments where she says, you know, change comes slower than you think. It's easier for you than it is for someone who looks like me. All of those moments are real Star Trekky mm. commentary moments that feel fluid for the season. They don't feel shoehorned in. It doesn't feel like you're being bashed over head with an image or, or with a with a message um, of what you're supposed to think. So I think if you were to mine this, again, we've done this with Enterprise as well. If you were an episode where you were a Star Trek fan teacher and you were wheeling this out onto a screen in the old RE lessons and you wanted to bring up a scene, you could bring up several scenes and it would actually bring up quite a lot of uh, discussion as we've been talking today. So for me, that is a, a big thing for Star Trek fans. To non-Star Trek fans, though, is it too beholden to too much backstory? And you have to really appreciate it. You have to know what a Borg Queen is and so on and so on. Yeah, you do. And again, this is interesting because it's almost... I think it's almost impossible to recommend any of these episodes unless we've rec recommended the first one. Yeah. And even then it's very difficult because we've got the first season yeah which we need to have recommended which we can't recommend because we don't get there until <laughs> whenever it is yeah. and really unless you've seen tng yeah in a way i mean you can you can watch it independently there's no doubt about that it, you know but it adds so much more when you we know picard's backstory mm. and seven if you've not watched voyager does seven make any sense yeah so with this serialized, sto um, serialized storytelling, it makes it very, very hard to, to recommend an individual episode. Mm. So no, I can't recommend it to non-Star Trek fans. The only thing that I think uh, would make me say yes to this is Rios's speech, because he sums okay. up the entire thing. You know, you know, you kind of know what's going on. There's this weird bald queen who wants to take over. They've got a captain who's sort of an android, but not. But no one gives me a straight answer and, and all this sort of stuff. But again, that's all entirely dependent on you knowing what a bald queen is, what an android is, what does that mean? Uh, so, yeah, you can't. Uh, in isolation, this episode doesn't work on its own. No. Um, and, yeah, uh, the same with serialized storytelling, which I think is also a criticism that can be lobbied against some of the really best of Trek, like DS9. You know, it's going to be really hard yes. to, to go back yes. to a certain episodes which you can't watch independently of others. Mm. I'm I'm certainly thinking of that last season seven where we have yep. the t the ten episodes that just run into one thing. Whether we have to review that in one episode as one go, I don't know, but we'll have to get there. Uh, that'd be like watching a three hour movie. Uh, it's Lord of the Rings, an episode. Um, but there we go. So that is our recommendations. Yes. With setup and uh, selling, and what was the other one? We've got a short treks. Uh, <laughs> so short treks. Is there any other sort of short treks you'd like to see from this? No, I think what we spoke about with the police. I like the idea of that, and I like the idea of um, the, the girl and the, the man and the two men, and you know, yeah. going, what the hell happened there? <laughs> it's a weird um, debrief for the end of the day. That'd be really. I mean, because it'd be really nice because. Both of those things could get back to the FBI guy. Yeah, thinking. And ahead. then he then he sees the the beaming on the, on the CCTV, and it all you know this, this whole what's going, suddenly there's this stuff going on in a very mm -hmm. small space in a very short space of time. Uh huh. 
it would be really nice a nice you know it hits his desk and he's like hmm you know and he and that sort of leads him into yeah you know so that i think that would be a really nice short trek i was thinking the same thing like you know that in future episodes i know we're tipping our hand here and we, we're talking about stuff that hasn't happened yet but yeah that he sort of slammed down i've just had this report two people just disappeared from a car chase you know i just had this report this guy who talks about you know being from the future and everything like this in ice uh talking about all these things and all the consequences and the butterflies they've started mm. by by messing things up um you know if anything the least of their worries was picard beaming in in front of a cctv camera uh yeah, yeah that's it uh, but yeah, I, th- I think it could be interesting to see that character piece everything together. So Wells's journey that's coming up in episodes to come. Um, so selling podcast, where can people find you again, and where can they get find you on Twitter? Twitter, they can find me on Twitter at Academic Trek Forty Seven. Mm-hmm. They can find my podcast where they find podcasts, um, and uh, they might even find some new ones at some point. E- but again, like I say, we're recording 2020 back here in oh, season yeah. two, so, so this is up in the future. So yeah, I don't think I've even started at this point. Have yes. I, I, no, no, you're two years ahead of yourself. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. I've got plenty of time. You've got plenty of time. You've got like four days with time yeah, in my minister exactly, time yeah. zones. There you go. Um, and yes, of course, obviously we do have our sister show, which is Nexus Nights, two. which we've been discussing it throughout the episode, where it's just more general chat, the Trek yeah. chit chat, as it were. Uh, right join us next time for uh, season two episode three of the podcast again uh, season two episode five but we will be going slightly into episode six as well because the way that episode ends it kind of feels like it should go straight into the next one Uh, it almost feels like those two bleed together there isn't a definitive stop like in this episode where the watcher just touches his shoulder and off they beam which felt like a a nice end point Uh, so next week it'll be episode five into six and we will begin at one minute 50 seconds after the recap as well uh, as an astronaut is sitting in some sort of cockpit and there's warning signs going off sounds pretty dangerous so we're just yeah. gonna have to find out where that goes uh that episode is uh, fly me to the moon next week and we'll discuss it from there so as always uh thank you very much for listening and we'll see you in the next time stream we certainly will if you'd like to contact the show there's now a twitter account Search Temporal Trek Podcast at rider underscore coattail or contact me directly at hitch underscore Daniel. I'm also on Instagram, Daniel underscore hitch underscore writer. There's also a website with all of the timestamps you need to follow along. Go to ridingcoattails.simplesite.com and click the Temporal Trek page link. The show is always going to be free, there's no Patreon at all. But if you wish to financially contribute to the show, feel free to find my books by searching me, Daniel Hitch, on Amazon. And we'll catch you in the next time stream.